0: Good morning, everyone, and I'm glad you're here to break open the Word of God with me because in Him we have perfect peace, right? So we are in Deuteronomy chapter 2, and we'll be picking up with verse 26. I just want to mention there's a sign-up sheet for the women's luncheon in the back, and I believe there's a place to sign up what you're going to bring. No, what you're going to order. Okay, what you're going to order. And... um, So please put your name down, ladies, if you'd like to be coming to that. And I think that's all the announcements that I have to make. Um, Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, knowing there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. And it is our salvation, Lord, that is our great hope. And we thank you, Father, that this life comes, goes, has all kinds of turmoil and, and even curves and windings in it. But you are straight and narrow. Your truth always takes us to the right destination. Your truth brings us before the throne. And it's before that throne only that we have peace and joy. And so we come before you, spiritually, knelt before your throne, asking that you would speak to our hearts through your word. And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, one of the things I was thinking, at, as, thinking of when I was working on this portion is our concept of God. I mean, God is God, right? There's nothing you can do or I can do to change it. But what our concept of God is, isn't necessarily who He is. In other words, God is God, but we have all these different concepts of Him and maybe they're way too low. And so our concept of God really isn't who God is. And um, I believe that too many people even believers have a too small of a concept of God. Or they bind him to traditional uh, doctrines and, and traditional theologies. God is not confined by th- theology and denominational doctrine. Do you understand that? God is much bigger than that. Well, how do we know who God is? It's easy. It's in the Bible. And if you read this word without any prejudice... You're not reading this word through the eyes of any kind, you know, just think of the terms we, we have. You come up to someone and you say, are you a Calvinist or are you an Arminian or are you Pentecostal? I don't know what you are, but I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And anytime we, we put any kind of circle, any kind of boundary to what we're identifying as being a Christian, it's too limited because God is God, and he is beyond anything what we can understand. And so we need to come to know him with open eyes simply by studying his word and let his word speak to us to have the full concept of him. You know, in, um, I love what it tells us in Jeremiah 9, and verse 24, it says this, But let him who glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That's a capital M, talking about the Lord. That I am the Lord, expressing loving kindness, kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Who is God? He's the one controlling everything. He's the one that is guiding everything. Every step and, and, and you know foot of our life in fact it 's interesting because in this portion we 're going to be talking about the Israelites going through the land of Esau and the land of the Moabites, and it might be why did they go that way because God was guiding their steps? There was a purpose there was a reason for it, and so we have to understand that everything in our life there 's a reason for it. It would be wonderful if when you became a born again Christian. Everything just went great. You never had a problem. That You just took this straight road right to heaven, and that was it. But even after you become a Christian, you go through some thorns, you go through some woods, you go through some high hills and some deep valleys. But you know what? All the while, he is with you. All the while, he's guiding you. All the while, he's supporting you. Let God be true in every man a liar. He's always with us. And, you know, I think it's a, um, it's kind of a. I, I Remember the poem, Footsteps in the Sand? And I don't know exactly how it went. You know, I don't know the exact wording, but basically what the poem was saying is, Lord, I, I saw footsteps walking along the beach in the sand, and there were always two sets of footprints, mine and yours. We always walked together. But, Lord, I don't understand. There were times that there were only one set of footprints, Why did you leave me during those times? And the Lord said, I didn't leave you during those times. Those were the times I was carrying you. And that's why there's only one set of footprints. And there are times, you know, that we need to trust God for that. I mean, when Israel had their promise of God that they were going to have the land of Cana as their promised land, it wasn't just blam, snap, boom, wham, they were there. I mean, they had to go through the plagues of Egypt. They had to literally be cast out of Egypt. They went through the miracles, you know, of of the Lord having the pillar of fire by day and the cloud by night to protect them from the Egyptians. They had the Red Sea dry up. They walked across. I mean, God was working miracles, manna from heaven, quail for meat. I mean, God was working miracles continually. But they ended up walking in a lot of circles. You know why? Unbelief. Was God still with them? Yeah, obviously he was still with them. Because one day, all of their circles would start wearing out. All the unbelief would start falling away. And then, boom, they would cross over into the promised land. And so in this portion, we're given, we're given um, an understanding of how God works in opening up the promised land for the people. So in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 26, And I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedomoth to Sion, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will keep strictly to the road. I will turn neither to the right nor to the left, and you shall sell me food for money. And I will eat and give me water for money that I may drink. Only let me pass through on foot. So right off, Moses is saying, when they were talking to uh, Ketamoth, the king of Heshbon, they weren't aggressive, they weren't proclaiming war, they weren't, looking for, they weren't looking for a fight. They said, we just want to pass through peacefully. In fact, we're actually going to be of great economic value to you. Here we are, a group of over 2 million people and we're going to buy food from you, and we're going to buy water from you, your economy is going to go through the ceiling. I mean, really, think about that. That was really a... a, And, um, of course, we'll find out what happened. And then verse 29. uh, Just as the descendants of Esau who who dwell in Seir, and the Moabites, who dwell in Ar, uh, did for me. In other words, they they already let them pass through peacefully and they bought food and water from them. Until I crossed the Jordan to the land which the Lord, our God, is giving us. You have to understand that the descendants of of Esau and the the Moabites, they had a relationship originally with Abraham. So they understood who God was. Verse 30, But Sion, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass through. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate, that he might uh, deliver him in, into his, into your hand as it is to this day. And the Lord said to me, See, I have begun to give Sion and his land over to you. Begin to possess it, that you may inherit his land. Then Sion and all of his people came out against us to fight at Jahaz. And the Lord our God delivered him over to us. So we defeated him, his sons, and all his people. We took all his cities at that time, and we utterly destroyed men, women, and little ones of every city. We left none remaining. We took only the livestock as plunder for ourselves, with the spoils of the cities, which we took from Ara'ar. Uh, uh, that's a pretty tough one. You can pronounce it A-or-er, or -er, or you can pronounce it a er or you can make up any other pronouncing just like I did. (laughs) Uh, Which is on the bank of the river Ammon, and from the city that is in the ravine as far as Gilead, that was not one city, there was not one city too strong for us. The Lord our God delivered all to us. Only you did not go near the land of the people of Ammon anywhere along the river Jabco, Jabco, uh or the cities of the mountains or wherever the Lord our God had forbidden us. In other words, they went right in conquering the land, but there were areas God said don't go into, and they didn't. Well, we see right off that the Israelites requested peace. And that's important for us to understand You should always start off with a desire for peace. Sometimes there's situations in families. Sometimes there's situations at work. Sometimes there's situations in the nation or the world. Your first response should always be seeking peace. But the reality is there are some who will not receive peace. It should never be on our part. It should be on their part that they're unwilling to receive the peace, the token of peace that we're offering and, um, and, of course, this was to Heshbon's uh, destruction because he rejected it. And um, notice Moses even took time to remind Heshbon of Esau and the Moabites. We passed through the land of Esau and the land of the Moabites in peace. Just what we told you we want to do, that's what we did. We didn't turn to the right. We didn't turn to the left. We just stayed right on the road and went right through. We didn't, we didn't molest. We didn't harm anyone. And we bought food and water from them. It was great for their economy. So Moses has this proof that he's giving, giving them that that is exactly what they're going to do. We're just going to walk through peacefully. But Heshbon would have nothing of it. And um, now, we're going to find later on in Judges, this is just something worth mentioning, that the children of Esau and the Moabites did come against Israel. We find this in uh, uh, Judges. And when we get there, it'll be very interesting. But what it was is they were willing to let Israel pass through, but when they settled into the Promised Land and God started blessing them, rather than rejoicing with their brother, because you have to remember, these are all brothers. They're from the same family. They're all sons of Aaron. So they're all brothers. So instead of rejoicing how God is blessing the children of Israel, they started getting worried. Israel's getting big, and Israel's getting strong, and you know what they're going to do? They're going to come and attack us. When they get big enough, they're going to come after us. But one of the things we find, and we find this even in, in today, Israel never attacks first. Israel retaliates when it's been attacked, and the same thing goes when we 're going through the rest of the of the Old Testament as they're entering into the promised land we 're going to find that israel didn't attack first they were usually attacked or threats were being brought against them, and then they responded and so eventually you know Israel would take the land of Esau and the land of the Moabites and um always a mistake in the long run to oppose the people of God and to oppose God, isn't it? It's always a mistake in the long run. Because let God be true and every man a liar. We know that. If God is, is, is for us, who can be against us? And so if the Lord is taking a certain path and direction, we are wasting our time to fight against it. Wasting our time. Maybe the Lord's leading you someplace. Maybe the Lord's leading me someplace. Don't fight against it. Just go with the will of God. Because the will of God is always for your benefit. It's always for your encouragement. It's always for your joy, and it's always for your peace. Okay? Now, um, and the thing that's interesting, you have to remember with the children of Esau and the Moabites too, Israel did not break their promise to them. They broke their promise to Israel. And Israel was God's chosen people. And so it was not a matter that Israel got into their promised land and were like, oh, okay, we're doing really great now. We're going to break all our promises with our neighbors. They didn't do that. But Esau and the Moabites literally were coming in and capturing Israelites and taking them away. And so that's why they t- had to take a stand against them. Now, the question uh, people often have is, um, why is it that God harden their hearts towards Israel? Well, the real answer is they first harden their hearts towards God. Why are their hearts hardened towards me? Their hearts are hardened towards God. And when someone's heart is hardened towards God, it's going to be uh, almost an automatic thing, thing that their hearts become hardened towards God's people. And so, once again, it's not a matter of where the Israelites wanted to go in and force their way. Their hearts... We're hardened towards God. And so when God is saying to them, through Moses, let us pass through, we're not going to do anything, they didn't believe it. They wanted to attack. And so when we realize what happens to people and to even certain people in our own life, why did that happen? Why are their hearts so hardened towards you, towards me? Well, maybe their hearts, hearts aren't hardened towards you or towards me. Maybe their hearts are hardened towards God. It's hard to find anyone who loves the Lord who has a sweet relationship with God that doesn't also have a sweet relationship with other believers, we might not agree on everything. Let me share this with you. I mean, this is going to be very shocking, okay? It's very shocking, but just hang on. I want to share something with you. Vi and I don't agree on everything. And I'm willing to admit when she's wrong. But but Vi and I don't agree on everything. But the fact is you don't have to agree on anything. We're, brothers and si- we're not only husband and wife, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so we have many brothers and sisters in the Lord. We might not agree on this little topic, this little topic, but we, we, we move together as one body for doing the purpose of the, of the Lord. It's such a shame that it seems to me so often the body of Christ just is so involved in infighting that they're not able to do the fighting for the battle of the Lord. Here's, here's the thing we have to understand. The most important thing, the most important responsibility for you and I as Christians today is not how big our church is, is not the doctrine of our church, is not how many people, you know, come to our church that are this or that. The job of, our, of not only our church, but the whole Christian community is salvation. We're living in a time that the word of God needs to be shared more, more profusely than ever, and I'm going to be talking about that a little bit further down, but we need to be willing to share our faith. Um, the question people have, okay, is why did God harden their hearts? The answer is very simple. In Genesis 15:16, it says, But in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Ammonites. And that's actually Heshbon, it's the land they're entering into. The iniquity of the Ammonites is not yet complete. So, in other words, when the sin of the Ammonites had become complete, God would allow them to go in. Remember what I shared last week about—I mean, really—the the the awful thing that was happening with fallen angels and Nephilim. I shared all that, and I said it's part of the reason that helps us understand why God caused uh, such destruction. These are people that really didn't have human souls. Many of them. And we find it, you know, I don't want to go into that whole de- detail again, but we find it in Scripture. But also, their hearts were so hardened towards God and the things of God. You, you can't even understand their pagan practices. What they did to their own children. You can't even, I, I wouldn't even want to share it here with, with kids in the room and stuff. But they were awful. They had no concept of marriage. They had no concept of love, they had no concept of family they were they were an, an awful people, and so now their sin had become full, and God was bringing his judgment and that 's why it says when they wiped off everyone, it was because the sin of the ammonites was full, and also those pagan cultures they had a what was called a revenge vow, and so you had a child who uh, whose parents maybe were killed he had a, a holy, what they call holy, an unholy obligation when he grew up to take vengeance. And so it was just all part of, of God's plan. And the thing that I couldn't help thinking of when I, when I uh, was reading this, sometimes I really feel like the sin of the Ammonites is full in our world. Sometimes I think about what's going on in our society and it's just absolutely amazing. The disregard for human life I mean, it's just awful. I mean, the sin of the Ammonites is full. Which means we should be watching for God's judgment. Because when the sin of the Ammonites is full, God's judgment is coming. Just like his judgment was brought through the Israelites going in to Heshbon. But here's the thing. You and I have a promise. Because it's possible that there were some decent people in Heshbon. And they were just, you know... Struck by the whole devastation that came. So, the point is, there might be, you know, uh, a lot of evil in this world, but this world also has a number of Christians in it, believers who love Jesus. And Scripture says, He's not appointed us unto wrath, but unto salvation. Pray that you're counted worthy to escape the things that are coming upon the face of the world. So, if anyone ever says to you, what are you, an escapist? Say, oh, yes, I am. Praise God. Are you a stayist? You know. But the point is, pray that you're counted worthy to escape. God's judgment is ready to come on this world. And the thing that it points out to you and I, if God's judgment is ready to fall upon this world because the sin of the Amorites has become full, it means He's taking us out of the world. In other words, the raptos, the rapture is about to happen, the catching up. And I think it could be any time. I'm not a prophet. I don't know how to uh, determine the specific day. But the Bible is very clear. It says, but you believers are not in darkness that, that this day should overtake you as a thief in the night. You're children of the light, children of the day. So we're not supposed to be caught by surprise. Well, just t- I mean, everything that needs to be fulfilled for the Lord's return for his church has been fulfilled. And on top of that, the sin of the Amorites has become full. I mean, it's just, you know, anarchy, just disregard for life is just absolutely unbelievable, unbelievable. Now, the sons of Esau and the Moabites actually might have thought they were doing God's will when they turned around. They initially let Israel pass through, but when they turned around and they went after them, they might have thought they were fulfilling God's will. God has given us this land, and they're threatening to us or whatever. But the thing is, the minute you start having an ungodly attitude towards a brother, it will always lead to violence, to wrongdoing. Because the Edomites and the sons of Esau had a benevolent attitude towards their brother, the Israelites. They had a benevolent attitude, and they let them pass through. And that relationship would have stayed calm and cool. Cool. But the minute they started having fear and having a bad attitude, oh, those you know, Jews and those children of Israel started having this bad attitude, then it led to them um, losing their relationship with the Lord as it was, and they attacked. That's why in, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, it says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen... How can he love God, whom He has not seen, so i 'm sure the uh, you know the, the Midianites and the descendants of Esau are saying, "Oh, we love god, we 're children of Abraham, we love God, but we hate them, and we 're going to go after them. This portion is telling us that we can 't love God and hate our brother it 's impossible you shouldn't and uh, this commandment this is verse twenty one and this commandment we have from him. That he who loves God must. And that word must is in the Greek affirmative present tense. That means it's a requirement. It's not you should, you must love your brother also. This includes every ethnic group. This includes every religious group. This includes, includes men and women. It's inclusive. We're supposed to love our brother. And a lot of times people have a problem with that. You know, they see, especially in our nation, different things going on. You see, you go into a, to Walmart and you see, you know, women, you know, women with the Muslim headdress and, you know, and burkas and all that kind of stuff on. And there's such a tendency, yeah, what are they doing here? Well, maybe the Lord brought them here that you might be a witness to them. Maybe the, brought, the Lord brought them here that they might be saved. Many people are very unaware of the fact that there is a great revival taking place in Iran. What? Why don't we hear about it? Because they're killing you the guys when they get saved and 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 it's all underground. But there's a great revival taking place. And so we have to make sure that our only attitude towards anyone is they need to know Jesus Christ. Bottom line, they need to know Jesus Christ. God separated Israel and gave them that promised land and eventually their temple for one reason. Study the scriptures. To be a testimony of him. And our entire responsibility as believers is to be a testimony of him. That's the reason I don't like to get into all these conspiracy theories and stuff. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not saying it doesn't interest me. You know you know aliens coming down with three heads and stuff like that that interests me i, I you know it's kind of fun to watch i I'm, i don't but here's the thing i don't have to worry about conspiracy theories because my god has made everything clear there's no conspiracy to worry about i guarantee you when i'm sitting out in my screen room at night i never worry about bigfoot grabbing me i don't <laughs> you know maybe those uh Stink bugs or wherever they are, that's all over the place now. But the point I'm getting at is God has laid out everything clear for us. And therefore, if we are walking with the Lord, He'll give us the victory. If we're walking against the Lord, we'll have defeat. Make no no bones about it. Either you're walking with the Lord or you're not walking with the Lord. Well, I'm going to walk with the Lord under these conditions. You're not walking with the Lord. You don't have a right to give conditions to God. Either you're walking with him or you're not. And if you're walking with the Lord, you're going to have victory after victory. And the most important victory we might have is leading a loved one to Jesus Christ, a friend. It's amazing how God can open doors, isn't it? I mean, you, you, could, you could go anywhere, and all of a sudden a door opens up to be able to share your faith. Our, th- our responsibility is, is not to be afraid. You know what I mean? You know who we most often are afraid to share our faith with? Family, unsaved family. Well, they're going to get so mad at me, and they're going to think I'm a jerk if I try to share Jesus with them. If they're not saved, they're not going to heaven. I don't mean to be blunt and, 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 uh, or anything. But that's the fact. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. I think that's a very simple portion of Scripture. But so often, well, I don't want to get the family all upset. Why? You don't want to get the family all upset? And if the rapture came, they're going to be left here and they're going to face the wrath of God? No, we have to have the same sense of responsibility and victory that the Lord gave the Israelites. And um, so the Israelites obeyed. They went in they took all the cities, they took all the land that God intended them to have, and, um, you know, the bottom line is this. I don't pretend to have figured everything out. I really don't, and, um, but the reality is, I know this book is 100% true, and I know that everything it tells us for life and godliness is found in this book and our understanding of him everything, not just some things everything and so we want to make sure that we're like the Israelites, we're just going to the promised land God has called us to we're all going to heaven we don't want to be like uh, um, you know Heshbon or the Midians or the children of of Esau who are like well yeah we're, we're kind of going towards heaven too but boy I'm worried about this group and I'm worried about that group you know what i 'm not worried about the charismatic group across town i 'm not worried about the Calvinistic group across town i 'm not worried about you know the Armenian group across town i 'm not worried about any of that. I just want to serve jesus i don 't want to say anything despairing towards the church that's here in christ maybe they're they 're dogmatic in certain ways we pray for them but if there are people that go there and get saved. I know personally many people that got saved in the Catholic Church. And then they would come looking for a church preaching the truth. But God can work anywhere. God can work anywhere. And he can work through anyone. And what's interesting with that, when it says he can work through anyone, it means he can work through us. I think most of us have had those times that we feel like an unworthy servant. I mean, there are times that I felt like I should be in the bottom of someone's foot, let alone being used of the Lord. But God is good, and he's forgiving and compassionate, isn't he? Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much, Lord, for your word and for the way you're able to speak to us through it. And I ask that the things that you've shown us this morning, we'd apply to our lives, that we might seek and walk after you with all of our heart. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, my guys.